the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful spells. She's actually sending me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Twenty years ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world, following magic and spirit. Now, they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. Welcome back, witches. This is another one of our bonus episodes, That Witch Life Podcast. I'm your host today. My name is Courtney, and I am joined by Hillary. Hello. And Kanani. Hello. And we are very excited to welcome back one of our absolutely most popular guests. Uh, Damon Stang is with us. For those of you who listened last summer, Damon did a phenomenal episode for us on um, house cleansings, and which has, I learned, has become required listening for a number of witchcraft groups around the country. So there are people that are learning about how to cleanse their homes and their magical environments, specifically because of our episode that we, that we recorded with Damon. Um, I believe it was July or August of last year. So for those of you who want to catch that, there will be a link to the original episode in our show notes on our website. For those of you who have not yet heard the episode, Damon Stang is a scholar of comparative folk magic and the cultural significance of ritual in contemporary cultures. He is a practitioner of traditional European witchcraft in both the pre-Christian and modern lineages. He resides in Brooklyn, New York. Damon Stain's work has been covered in the New York Times, the Huffington Post, the New York Post, Elle Magazine, and Newsweek Magazine. So, Damon, welcome back. We really missed you. Hi. Thank you for having me. That was quite uh, quite the introduction, huh? No pressure. <laughs> one of the things, we want to talk about a couple of different things today. And one, talk about some of the magic that we've been doing in these last couple of weeks of the pandemic. Um, and we're also going to get into eclipses a little bit later in the episode as we have uh, two coming up in June and one in July. So very rich time for working on that. We had a listener reach out to us on Instagram asking us what to do about eclipses. And we said, well, that sounds like a good topic to talk about with Damon, among other things. But first of all, I want to talk about this new moon that we just had, because for me, it was super powerful. How, what was it like for you all? Well, I'll, I'll just jump in. Um, the new moon, this new moon for me, uh, well, Beltane in, uh, has been quite a season for me. And I, I do sometimes, you know, actually all the time, think of the Sabbaths as seasons and not uh, days. Uh, you know, the, the days for me are events and then there's more than one event day. Um, and so beginning with the full moon, um, of May, the lunar Beltane, that was sort of the pinnacle of my Beltane. And from there, things progressed with me into, uh, the new moon of the cycle. And it was very powerful and I did achieve a lot of magical work. And I felt that that whole cycle was very positive actually and i and you know not not just in terms of my own magic but i feel that it was positive on a global scale and i felt mm. that powerful benevolent forces were being released mm. well i remember that you 
called me because you were at the beach before New York even opened its beaches back and you had some pretty intense experiences out there. Yes. And to clarify, I was completely alone at the beach. I, you know, I, there's, um, there's a area of the New York beach is called Fort Tilden national gateway of, of many of which parts are actually nature reserves and, and things of that nature. So go, going out to the beach was not putting me in contact with other people. I was very isolated, very alone, alone enough to be able to make bonfires on the beach, which has become a new passion of mine. Um, so yes, I was there for the full full moon and there for the new moon. Just recently, I was out there too. Well, Hillary Kanani, what was this new moon like for you? Similarly, actually, I felt it was quite powerful as well, and I did um, I did a little bit of a ritual on the full moon. Um, you know, it's like it's this. I found this myself in this scenario where I tend to really like to do really elaborate things, and I think that's the like performance artist in me that likes to make everything look really magical in my ritual. Uh, and, and one thing that actually came out of this is that I've, you know, it's been a really crazy time obviously for everyone and, and the ability to get a hold of things that I would normally like to use, uh, isn't there. And, uh, mentally and emotionally, I think I'm not as energized as I was. So I actually did like quite a small little ritual with my roommate, um, And it was really nice, actually. I think that I, it gave me a chance to focus on kind of what I wanted to bring in because when that had happened, I had just been laid off right before that happened, right before uh, hand and, or maybe, I don't know if it was my last day yet, but I've been notified that I was getting laid off. And this was for the new moon? Because you said the full moon. Was this for the new moon or full moon? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say the new moon? I thought you said the full moon. Yeah, no, this is for the new moon. That's okay. Tell us about your full moon, right? That would have been like three weeks ago now. It was like three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I totally thought you said the full moon. I was like, well, yeah, I did all this stuff. So yeah, I did just a small ritual, uh, with my, with my roommate. Um, and it was, it was really for me a chance to kind of reset because, you know, so much had shifted in my life and in the world, but like certainly in kind of like my, like a lot of, a lot of my specific like life with work and obviously like as a performance artist, things are really stagnant right now. And I kind of use that time to focus on kind of creating a reset and like stepping into an adjusted reality, but still asking that things come in, but just in, you know, in an adjusted way, because I think during a time like this, we have to get, or at least I have to get out of the habit of thinking like it's all this way or it's not good enough. And really realizing that like, there's a, there's a chance to, uh, adjust my perception of what I want to meet what we're able to have right now. And in, so, so we did this small ritual and we had some offerings and we had, um, did a little bit of candle magic and really asked for kind of a reset and then some, some bringing in of, you know, of financial gain and success. And, and immediately we got contacted by a theater company that wants to produce the work virtually, uh, which will be happening. I think it's June 26th. I'll have to look at the actual date. Um, but that was directly after you did the spell. It was like a week later. Yeah. Yeah. Like a week later, all the the things that you needed to manifest. So, so yeah, and it it was really great because I feel like, um, it was kind of what I needed to remind myself that like, I can still produce work and still create work, uh, even though it's in a different context and that it's actually an opportunity to be really innovative. And then for the new moon, I actually just focused on gratitude, both for that. And then just a focus on really realizing that I think 
our sense of normalcy obviously is, <laughs> is not what we're used to right now. So I just took, I, on the new moon, I really focused on, on gratitude and really making sure that I took time to notice and appreciate the things that I do have right now, because I think it's easy in crisis to go, Oh God, I feel overwhelmed by all this stuff that I can't control. Um, and so that was what the new moon for me was really focused around. And it was actually really, um, I think it kind of completed that reset that I asked for on the full moon. Um, because it, it kind of allowed me to come full circle and have that realization that like, you know, things are different, but they're not, they don't have to be bad just because they're different. Right. And I think that's a really good lesson that when, especially for witches that are really busy or really tired and you want to honor the, the, the different moons or the different holidays. And if you just don't have the time or the energy to do it, doing the simple gratitude practice, whether it's standing at your altar, standing outside, or even laying yeah, in bed. I went outside and I like audibly said, you know, like I said, while I was sitting there, what I was grateful for, and also just focused on gratitude, you know, and, yeah. and I think that it is something that I've learned through a lot of this, which is that, you know, we don't have the same energy resource access that we have had uh, because of our current scenario with COVID and, and the lockdowns that many of us are in. And so that it really is, I think it's again, another reminder that magic doesn't even though my little like performance art heart likes to be really elaborate and over the top because I'm a very extra person, uh, <laughs> that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's any less or more powerful. It's just what I like from an aesthetic standpoint, you know? Yeah, for sure. But yes, exactly. Listing the things you're grateful for is an incredibly powerful ritual, especially when you're running low on time and resources. So what about you, Kanani? What, and you posted a lot of stuff on Facebook about some things you were doing for the, the dark and the new moon. So what did you end up doing? I did. I actually um, found uh, a, a workbook. It was a dark moon kind of little journal, free download journal that we posted um, that was from the tarot lady. And she kind of, she did kind of a a talk that I listened to that really, I think resonated with me because she said um, she keeps a journal. And one of the things that I've noticed that I like when I listen back to old episodes sometimes that we have is I'll listen to when we did as, uh, as below, so above. And it's interesting for me to think back to certain things and certain moments where that's what I was wanting to let go or, or wanting to bring in. Cause it just, it's different moments in time. And so she was talking about how she sets an intention journal with the new moon and she'll, she'll actually, she doesn't just do the, the new moon kind of spell or intention spells, but she'll also journal what it is. And so I actually am starting to do that. And so I'm starting to, uh, I've created a new moon journal so that I can look back over time when I do my new moon intentions um, kind of what I did in different months and different years. And I can kind of look back on that to kind of see how things came to fruition or did they not come to fruition? Or, um, I find that a lot of the magic and spells that I do, uh, often do happen and do manifest themselves. And the more I'm, you know, thinking about them and concentrating on them and focused on them, you know, the more effective they are. And so I feel like, creating this journal will kind of also help with that 
that focus and, and manifesting that energy by kind of, you know, creating this document that's going to, you know, last. And so that's kind of something new that I've incorporated that I've never really, I was never one who really kept a journal. So that's kind of a new thing that, that I've wanted to start to kind of pick up on. But like I said, I, I've really liked kind of being able to look past and see, you know, not just have to rely on, you know, basic memory, but being able to look and go, oh, I remember when I did that. And, and then you can think about how then that later manifested itself. And um, so that's kind of something new I've been doing. But yeah, I, I did some Dark Moon, uh, did her little workbook where it just talks about what you want to let go of, what you want to release, and, and just kind of do that kind of purge and cleansing before the new moon so that you kind of have sloughed that off before you do the new moon intention spells. Mm, see, there's that works on so many on a couple of different levels because one, it like you said, attracts your progress and it reminds you that how far you've come and how these things really do manifest. Which is a topic I'd love us to explore on a different episode is the necessity of a book of shadows because sometimes we forget that our magic is working. We forget what has come to fruition. And so having journals like the one Kanani that you're holding is really valuable, but it also works in the same level that Laura Zakroff was, Laura Tempest Zakroff was talking about a few weeks ago that just the creation of writing the sigil is drawing the energy. So just the creation of writing the intention is already doing the, doing the work. Yeah. You can still light your candles. Um, you can, you know, do your smush, um, your smushing ritual and water or whatever it needs that you need to do. But you've already done the work just by writing it down. It's a reminder to me that I do need to write down what I did for this past new moon because it was really, really powerful. Um, I've really gotten lately into using invasive or introduced plants in my spells. And one of the things I've realized is that especially invasive plants which it's good to use those anyway, because you want to clear them out of a landscape. You don't want them to, to overtake and, and damage native populations. Um, so it's good to go ahead and remove them. But native, like invasive plants are so excited to be anywhere. They love it. They are like the most extroverted energy that they're inserting themselves where they don't belong. You know, we, we've all met those individuals in our lives. Well, those are the, those are the characters of the plant world of like lemon balm or thistle or, um, or hairy bittercress. They love being anywhere. So they love being in your spells. And so I did this spell um, earlier this year, We the um, Harry Bittercrest, which is I learned was one of the nine sacred herbs, uh, herbs of Odin. And I'm not really versed in Norse mythology, so I don't really know a lot about it. But I, when I was looking up the, the folklore, because when I find a plant that is invasive or introduced um, on my property, I will go look up the, um, the folk remedies for it because that will also give you a clue as to what the magical properties are Um, or also look up what is unique about it scientifically because then again that will give you a sense of what it can do for your magic so um, lemon balm is something that's often used for um, for cleansings because of the citrus nature but um, hairy bittercress it was said in that it draws the poison out now, I'm not advocating this as a medicinal herb because I don't know enough about it. So please do not and take this internally. But what you can do with it is that um, because the ancients used to use it to um, withdraw poison, you can use it to withdraw toxicity from your environment. So by boiling it, um, boiling it along with, I also used, again, some lemon balm. Um, and those two things came off my property. And one of the powerful things is that when I 
collected those, I told them what their purpose was going to be. I said, you're coming with me now because if you don't come with me and do this, my husband's going to come through and chop you all up and you're going to go in the compost and there will be nothing for you after this. So these are your choices. You come with me, be magical, or you go in the compost heap. And they're like, magical. So <laughs> and so I, I said, okay, well, lemon balm, you're going to use for cleansing. Harry Bittercrest, you're using your old role of drawing poison out of a situation. So come on. It was actually very funny because Hanani and her kids were helping me clear the Harry Bittercrest earlier this spring. We had this total downpour of a day and she's making her kids collect the magical herbs. And then I said, Kanani, you're going to need to collect some too. And she goes, no, that's what I have you for. And I, I, said, made, I made the kid. Oh, you that's told me you told I had to do it too. You told me I had to do it too. That sounds like me. Okay. Yeah. That's what you, and I said, no, you actually have to collect at least some because the herbs know you're standing there watching people do your bidding. It's different if you physically can't do it or it's a transactional thing where you're high, you're, you're buying herbs from someone, but the herbs just see you and they see your kids collecting them and you're not actually engaged with this. They'll work for your kids. They won't work for you. And so Kanani's like, Oh God. And so she's pulling weeds out of the ground. (laughs) Well, it was so, funny hearing you talk about how you were telling them, you know, that they have choices or your husband's going to chop them up and, and they're going to go in the compost. Because that's pretty much, I think, how you got me on the podcast. <laughs> I think I got the same speech. I, I think it's so interesting because um, I was just reading something, uh, uh, well, read a few things about this, but, the, um, you know, we often see in terms of working with plant allies and... Um, herbal spirits, uh, flowers, you know, the, when you're harvesting this, uh, the witch does this like, um, gratitude blessing, you know, thank you, please give me, uh, lend me your power, you know, here's an offering of grace, you know, whatever, whatever the format of the conjuration or the blessing, the, the, the thank you to the, to the plant ally is, but you know, when we look at, um, when you look into history, there are a lot of coercive ways of harvesting things where there is actually an element of threat involved. You know, I was just actually reading one in the Greek magical papyri where the, um, where, uh, uh, you know, to paraphrase very, very terribly, um, you know, the, the sorcerer is supposed to say to the plant, like you're, you're coming with me. And if you, and if you do not give me the powers that I wish for you to have, there will be no more water for you. The water will not fall for you. You'll be denied. You'll be denied sustenance and you and your brethren will shrivel and die. So come with me. <laughs> so it, there is actually a, um, an interesting precedent for that kind of, um, that kind of like low key threat. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and to be fair, I probably could be doing a little more work with the gratitude. It's when I'm out there in the soil that I start getting very, Um, what is it they said on Downton Abbey there's a thing about working with the land there's a lot of sentiment but not a lot of sentimentality (laughs) you get down and dirty Um, but yeah I boiled a bunch of this stuff and I my depression had been kind of gross this last couple of weeks and um, I was getting to a place where I had no focus and no motivation it was starting to get pretty um, uh, effective and you know something I deal with routinely but especially it's been challenging and since the pandemic and um let me tell y'all, after I did that, the floor wash on the dark moon, the next morning I was up, I was so full of energy. I was listening to the soundtrack from we're here and I'm dancing around that like invoking my inner drag queen and like, oh my God, I felt so good. So 
<laughs> but just as a reminder, we really, you can't skip your work, you know, well, especially that, that, when you don't want to do it. Yeah, Hikate loves the house cleanings on the on the dark of the on the dark of the moon. She loves that. She will always bring great in my experience, she will always bring in great, great blessings. You tidy your house on that day. Yeah, and she's tied a lot with the scavenger spirits. So one of the ways in which mm. working with Akate is that giving her what they say, giving her the refuse. So giving her the scraps from your table. Or for me, it was a little bit of the dirty water left in the bucket after I mopped because I took it down to the three-way crossroads, which is her sacred space. Um, my husband came with me. The dog came with us because it was pretty late at night. And and um, we and the dog had a great time. And he's normally scared of things, but he was kind of like, goddess who likes dogs here. This is cool. You know, and through through this, just a little bit of the water because there was a little bit of soap in there, so I didn't want to like leave tons, throw a bunch of soapy water into the street because it'll end up in the creek. But a, a little bit is is okay. So, Damon, tell us about how the energy and the spirit of New York City has been in the last couple of weeks um, with the, with the pandemic. You guys have been on lockdown for so long now. New York has gone through a lot of different um, psychological and spiritual phases. There was the early phase when everybody was like, ah whatever this is it's all being blown out of proportion to suddenly people the reality of everything setting in and then and then there was a lot of fear and um i liked as one of part of my spiritual practice is to go for long meditational spirit guided walks at night done that since i was a kid um and the first couple of nights that I tried to get back into that habit, it was the most eerie thing I have ever experienced. It was like being underwater. There was just silence, silence, silence. I've never experienced New York like that. Just this absolute silence. But it was an ominous silence. It wasn't a, it wasn't a mystical silence or a healing silence. It was a silence of foreboding. Mm. Um, and that's when people were really taking everything very seriously. Uh, and life is definitely different now. People are all, for the most part, people are wearing their masks and social distancing. People are behaving, which is good. There is a spirit of support in the air. I was very concerned that some sort of anarchy or like an uptick in violence might happen. I personally have not witnessed that. There seems to be a spirit of people wanting to help each other out and wanting to get things done. And there's a friendliness, even, even though you can't see the smiles under the masks, people are, there's a lot of eye contact, which is a new thing for New York. You know, New Yorkers do not like to make eye contact. There's an excessive amount of eye contact, which is fascinating. <laughs> um, but we're we're hanging in there. We're we're doing well. Everybody I know is uh, is doing their is is doing what they're supposed to do. So what was really really beautiful is um is actually Damon and I were we oddly enough took walks at the same time a couple of weeks ago and I was out um, in the park with my dog when Damon called just to say hi and it, I thought that there was the sound of bells in the background and I asked him what it was. And it was the banging of the pots at 7 p.m., which is something that apparently happens every night right now. Yes, every night at 7 o'clock, there is um, a salute, uh, a salute or a um, 
a celebration, a recognition, a blessing to the essential workers of New York City. Uh, and, and the first time I heard it, I was completely emotionally overwhelmed. I didn't even know what it was. I was coming home in my mask, having run an essential errand, and I was walking down Graham Avenue, which is in the heart of South Williamsburg. Um, and this thing just started, people leaning out of their windows, banging their pots and pans, blowing on whistles, drumming. And I was just overwhelmed. There was like, what magical spell is this? What exorcism? This is just... I, I was awestruck because I hadn't actually heard of this thing yet. It was the first time I'd, I'd experienced it. It was big and impressive and lasted for a long time. And uh, it was very, very beautiful. And yes, every, every evening at 7 o'clock here in New York, no matter what neighborhood you're in, uh, they do it. Neighborhoods do tend to vary, you know. It's, a, it's more enthusiastic in, in areas where... There are more essential fam people who have families with more essential workers, obviously, you know, sort of in the more gentrified neighborhoods. It still happens, but it might last for like just a minute, you know, uh, but I've seen it last for like three to four minutes. And I remember the first time there was uh, this woman leaning out of her window and she was screaming at the top of her lungs, go away, coronavirus, Be go away. Let us live. Let us work. And people, uh, like, like, like she was a preacher or something. And people were like saying, hallelujah, amen. And like echoing her words. And it was, there's just this really powerful sense of community that arises. I love it. So she, she was doing some good old fashioned old school witchcraft, banging up the pots and pans to drive the demons away. Yeah, and she was giving a voice to it too. I mean, she was she she went on a whole ecstatic, you know, ecstatic uh, riff, and people were like, you know, like getting into it. Uh, it's very powerful. It's very very powerful. People bring out their drums. Uh, people in cars are like, you know, they turn up their music. I mean, it's a cacophony of sound. It's a, it's not like, you know, it's not melodic at all. It is a cacophony but it's a beautiful cacophony. So we're in luck because Damon actually recorded this for us. And so we're going to play it. Thank you, Damon, for sharing this. We're going to play it for our listeners who may not be having this in their area. And yeah, here we go. Wow, that is amazing. It's like, I, I guess I didn't realize how much, how many, it's, you can tell how many people are doing it. It's quite uh, amazing to hear that many people rallying. 
isn't it? it, it it's really astounding. It, it, it's emotionally moving. Yeah. I recorded the, I, I recorded that one uh, in, in on a basketball on a basketball court in the housing projects, uh, and it's yeah, it's palpable. It's it's palpable. You feel it. You feel really? it. It makes makes the skin. It makes the hair on the your back of your neck stick up, and you get goosebumps. And you know, I'm a very emotional person. I start to cry a little bit. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> listening to it. I was like, okay, just pull it together. (laughs) I think it's really cool because I actually have a coworker who his wife is a nurse and they do do that around, uh, you know, other, other places as well. Clearly like Courtney said and Hillary said, it's not because usually we're far more spaced out. It's not so loud. Um, but they're, there was a time and I think she works the night shift. And so she was leaving around the time it was happening and it just, it, it moved her to tears because here she's going to the hospital and she's going to the front lines to help these people. And here's all of these people with their rallying cry, essentially saying, we appreciate you. And I think that it's good for the people who are a part of it, who are her showing their appreciation. But I also think that you cannot, underestimate the value for those that are doing the hard work in the hospitals, how much it means to them to know that we have their back. Yeah. So thank you, Damon. That was a real gift to, to us and to our listeners as well. I think it's going to keep on going in New York for a long time. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what it, what it ultimately shifts into. If this becomes a new ritual where it's like 50 years from now, people don't know. Why do people bang pots at 7 p.m.? Well, I mean, back in the day. (laughs) I hope that happens. Yes. (laughs) I hope that happens. That's amazing. So I want to go ahead and switch gears to our next topic and talk about eclipses. Uh, I did some research, y'all, so we can talk science first. Oh, man. (laughs) I know, right? I got, this, I got this from uh, the National Geographic website. Um, oh, I'm sorry, the Farmer's Almanac website. So it's, it's much uh, better. Um, <laughs> much better. Yeah, much better, much better source. Um, but I think it is important for witches to understand the, sci- uh, the scientific phenomena around these things as much as they sure. do the magical. Sometimes we, we tend to think that one trounces the other, and I absolutely don't believe that. I think that, that science and magic are, are really either related or one in the same, depending on how you look at it. Um, so let's first talk about um, the eclipses that we have. There are two types of eclipses that we witness here on Earth, and these are solar and lunar eclipses. Now, a solar eclipse occurs when the moon passes directly in front of the sun, which partially or entirely blocks out its light. So solar eclipses are visible only in certain areas and require eye protection to be viewed safely. So the big, the big one we had in 2017 where um, people were, you know, people were traveling all over the place to get to see it. And it was absolutely worth it. I was lucky enough to get to see it from my backyard in Kanani. Yeah, one of the most powerful experiences that, that I had that is called, um, that is a solar eclipse. Now, a lunar eclipse occurs when the full moon enters the shadow of the Earth, which cuts off all or part of the sunlight reflected off the Earth. The reason we have a full moon is because the moon is positioned in a certain way where the sun can illuminate it fully. And so based on uh, the reason why we have a waxing or waning moon is because the Earth starts to um, block the um, block some of the sunlight from, um, from the moon. So 
Lunar eclipses are technically visible for the entire night side of Earth, um, but during, during what is called a penumeral eclipse, the dimming of the moon's illumination, illumination is slight. So sometimes the moon appears kind of red, or you can see a more direct shadow on the moon. Um, not all eclipses are the same. So there's a couple ways in which the lunar and solar eclipses happen. So you have what is called a total eclipse in which the moon or sun is completely blocked out. Um, during a total lunar eclipse, the moon is completely obscured by the dark center of the Earth's shadow, which gives the moon a dark reddish hue. During a total solar eclipse, again, like the one we had in 2017, the sun is completely obscured by the moon, resulting in a brief period of awe-inspiring darkness. And it truly is, it is truly is phenomenal. A partial eclipse, which is a little more common, of either the sun or the moon occurs when only part of the sun or the moon is obscured. An annular eclipse is a type of solar eclipse, which um, they are similar to total solar eclipses, but in the annular eclipse, the moon's apparent size, because it's smaller than the sun, uh, means the sun is not completely obscured. So this results in a bright ring of light called an annulus. And then there's a penumbral eclipse, which is a type of lunar eclipse. And this occurs only when the moon enters the faint outer edge of the Earth's shadow, which causes the moon to appear slightly darker than usual. The effect is so slight that this kind of eclipse can be hard to recognize unless you know how to look for it. Now, <clears throat> we have three eclipses coming up almost right in a row. We have one on June 5th, which is a penumbral eclipse of the moon. This one is not visible from North America, but you might be able to see it in the Western Pacific Ocean and parts of Australia, um, Asia. If you're listening from Antarctica, you might see it there. Um, Europe, Africa, and South America. So just we Yanks, Mexicans, and Canadians are out. So um, then on June 21st, there is an annular eclipse of the sun. And this is also not visible from North America, but the other places I mentioned may be able to see it. Then in July 4th, we have a penumbral eclipse of the sun. This one is visible from North America, except in the northernmost region. So we here in Oregon might be, miss um, be missing out. And only a small portion of the moon will fall into this. So you may not actually notice it. So magically speaking, the uses of eclipse in magic vary widely um, because these are events that have, have historically caused chaos in societies because they really frighten people. They can cause magic chaos in your magic as well, which is one of the reasons why people don't always like them. So this doesn't mean that you shouldn't use them ever. So again, as a rule, what happens in nature is what's going to happen in your magic. So the eclipses on June 5th and July 4th, which are penumbral, are going to make the moon look darker. So it's a good time to do some shadow work, as in doing work you don't want seen or magic to give yourself a little more privacy. Um, on June 5th, this it's an astrologically tough moon because it is opposing the sun and squaring Mars. So vibes will be working against you with regards to, vibes naturally will be working against you with regards to work and relationships. So the good news is that you can do spells on this um, this particular day to turn attention away from your shortcomings, whether they're perceived or not. So say, for example, you're having a really hard time starting work on time. Okay, something you need to work on. You want to work on more punctuality. But if someone's being really hard on you on it while you're trying to adjust to a new schedule, you can do some work so people just don't notice for a little while. 
So this is especially good moon to use in realms of work. Now, because the eclipse on June 21st is an annular eclipse, recalling that this sort of eclipse creates a bright ring of light in the sky, this is the sort of eclipse that can draw attention to something that you are wanting to stand out. So maybe it is you want to stand out more at work to get more attention, or maybe you're wanting to do more glamour or attraction magic to get more people to pay attention to your dating profile because you're not dating right now, you're social distancing, but you can still meet people online and chat. Um, the moon is conjunct the sun at this time, so it is a great time to call attention to your strengths. So what I would recommend doing is considering doing um, work throughout these eclipses that um, both minimize the things you really don't want people to pay attention to in your life or about you right now and emphasize your strength. So again, this is really great energy for work or creative endeavors. But just be sure that while you're working on this, you are addressing areas where you could be stronger. Otherwise, this will come back and bite you because eclipses offer very temporary magical energy. This is more like a Band-Aid or a pause button than an actual elimination, but it gives you time to fix things, all right? Your boss is mad at you. You're worried about losing your job. This will help you start to gain some really important ground to get back in their good graces. Um, if you wear makeup, blessing your makeup with these energies can be very helpful. Um, you can bless a specific piece of jewelry. So now here's what is really key there. So you need to try to time this around the actual time of the eclipse in your area. Just look it up. What time is the eclipse in my zip code? Um, that's really key. So other lunar transits like the new moon, the dark moon, the full moon, those energies linger for a full day or some say a couple of days. But these eclipses, the energy changes just within a few hours. So if all you have time to do is run over and light your candle saying, hey, you're going you're gonna to do some eclipse magic for me. And you got to go back and finish writing emails or feed the kids or whatever, stuff like that. But just try to tap in at least during that specific window of maybe an hour or so. So now I'm going to hear from you all. What are some of your experiences with eclipses? They can, they can vary very widely among, uh, you know, among, among witches. I don't like eclipses. I mean, I like them visually, like they're cool to look at the, the big eclipse that you were referring to before I was in Oregon for that and saw it and it was really amazing. Um, but I don't like doing magical work during eclipses because they make me feel, uh, almost like chaotic or, or unsteady. So I don't feel very grounded. So if I do anything, at all, which I often don't do, it's grounding work. Because for me, they just make me feel like really scatterbrained or really like kind of unfocused. Um, so I tend to, when I'm doing work or doing any magical work, I do like a grounding spell or I just do a grounding meditation to kind of like pull myself back into my body. That's some helpful work. And I know there are a lot of cultures that do uh, something similar, especially more indigenous cultures. They don't do anything spiritual on the eclipses or unless they go inside and pray. So, you know, that's, that's absolutely valid too. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I, it's not like, it's not a bad, it's not a like negative feeling. It's more like uh, that feeling if you're trying to focus or you're trying to think about something, but you feel like your brain can't focus. It's like that, but my whole body kind of feels like that. Yeah, it's really all been focused on grounding, which is tends to be good for me because I tend to, I, I, my attention span is short and I tend to get focused on many things. So it kind of is a good reset in general. But yeah, I tend to not like to do any, um, any work that's that like any, anything that's trying to manifest anything because I feel like I can't even focus on it. So I just tend to focus on grounding. Mm. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think that also is a good point. If you you are someone who has focus problems that maybe eclipses isn't a great time to manifest, but like Hillary said, is a great time for grounding. Kanani, do you do any work on the eclipses? I, I don't specifically do work on the eclipses. I don't not like, I, I don't have an aversion to them or, or feel like my magic has necessarily been any different. Um, but, um, I don't know. I kind of am along the same lines as far as, you know, like I was at your house for the last big one. And I actually, I have to be, I have to be honest. I, I thought it was going to be fun and I thought it was going to be cool. Um, it brought me to tears which I did not see coming. I mean, it absolutely, the solar eclipse just completely took my breath away. And I, there were just tears running down my face. And I was shocked by that, how powerful that felt. And I think ever since then, um, I've been more focused on doing magic in alignment with the moon. Um, so I, I, I don't think I've necessarily had any aversions to whether or not there was an eclipse happening. Um, but I have tried to kind of more align the magic that I do along with the phases of the moon. Well, and I, I want to jump in on that too, because we both had similar experiences. And I remember one of the things that I experienced that I felt like tapping back into my most ancient ancestors, because just as the moon was about to cover the sun, this moment of terror sat into me where I was like, how dark is it going to get? What's going to happen? What, what will, what's going to happen to us? And that is what the, the very earliest peoples, how they experience the full, the full solar eclipse. And I was like, this is, and, I, and of course I know scientifically, it's only going to last a couple of minutes. The earth is not going to freeze. It's going to be over in no time. But then when we took our glasses off, cause there's a very, very narrow window when you are, when you get a complete solar eclipse that you can take off your glasses and you can see the ring around the moon, which is like green and white. And if your kids, Kanani, had not been there, I would have fallen on my knees and started wailing and saying, I am not worthy to look upon your face, lady, great dark lady. I was like, I was had this prayer welling up inside of me where I wanted to like shred my clothing and pull out my hair and pound the soil because I was not worthy of looking at such beauty. And I was like, but the kids are perfect. Children, children, they just look at me and be like, really? Really? She's doing this? Really? And then they see you crying and then you're like, well, honey, you know. For years, they'd be like, remember that time Auntie Coco was really weird? Yeah. Which time? time I was going to say, they wouldn't say that because then it'd be like, you're going to need to narrow that down. (laughs) But we did something sweet with your kids and that we found these... um, these, there were witches that were living in this house before we bought it. And we keep finding crystals around the property. And we're like, I don't know what these are for, but we're going to use them now. And um, we, we the kids each took a stone and charged it. Um, and we used those stones like, well, when you don't want someone to see you, you just carry the stone in your pocket and you can hide the way that the sun, the way that the moon hid the sun. But Damon, how about you? I do have a lot to say. Uh, eclipses have marked, personally in my life, have marked a lot very important story moments. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about the mysticism, or elaborate as you've already spoken about the mysticism of, uh, of eclipses. But, you know, they're very chthonic. You know, mm-hmm. you have the earth and the moon and the sun, which are the primary parent planets all in alignment with each other. That's what it is. It's a straight line of earth, moon, and sun. 
it's chthonic. It's it's the chain from it's the chain from the underworld to heaven and back down again, you know. And there's all this interesting food stuff around eclipses, you know. Like cross culturally, there's this idea that an eclipse in in you know primary cultures, there's this, this idea that an eclipse is uh, that, that partially what an eclipse is about is there's some sort of like a beast that is attempting to devour the sun or the moon or has devoured the sun or the moon, you know, and comes out the other side or a demon has, you know, there's, 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 there's this um, Hindu mystic idea around this demon uh, betraying, betraying, uh, betraying the sun and the moon and he gets his head chopped off and gets thrown into the sky and he tries to eat the sun or the moon in revenge, but because he has no body, it just falls out the other side. Uh, you know, and then there were wolves or dogs that chase the moon or a dragon. And, but not only that, there are also these um, ideas that food should not be consumed nor prepared nor left open during a full or uh, dur during, a, um, dur during the eclipse of the, of the moon or the sun. And I think that's very interesting. You, if you have food, you have to cover it. You've got to cover your water. And so moving forward, I want to experiment with that one day, you know, because I do love a total eclipse. I really do. It's, it's, uh, if, I, if I had the funds, I would be one of those eclipse chaser people. Um, but, you know, it's an idea of mine because food and magic is very important to me. And I like to prepare a lot of magical meals and banquets and, you know, make make things as offerings, like very elaborate things, and then not consume them myself necessarily. But I think this idea of preparing a meal just before the eclipse, covering it, doing your magical observations while the event is happening, and then uncovering it and eating the food would be a very interesting experience if handled correctly. Because the eclipse is... You know, I mean, they're not, they, they generally not understood to be benevolent events. You know, they change the course of history. Mm -hmm. They, 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 um, I think in Mesopotamia, you know, a lunar eclipse was an attack on the king. So what they would do is they would get somebody to stand in for the king. There would be a proxy who would take all of the heat and all of the anger of the lunar demons <laughs> while the king oh, hid no. away. <laughs> And then that poor soul, whatever would befall them, would befall them. But the king was safe, you know? Yeah, well, so, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're very, very fascinating. And, you know, my first experience was of a lunar eclipse in South Africa. I think it must have been in uh, the early 2000s. And that was phenomenal. It was a total lunar eclipse, and they last much longer than a solar eclipse. They go on for hours. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, that blood-red color. And then finally, when you see that sliver of silver, it's miraculous. Yes. And, um, and, that, you know, and, it, and that, that marked a very important day in my life because it was unbeknownst to me the very last time that my whole family would be in the same room. And I know oh. that that will be the very last time, you know, because then I left for America and we all scattered to the four winds, you know, but that, and I didn't know that, but that night I forced, and my, my family are not into 
into this at the level that I am. I forced everybody to go outside and we made a huge bonfire and we sat outside and we watched it. And my little brother was kind of irritated with me, but you know, we did it and it was beautiful. Then my second eclipse that I experienced was on in August of 21st, the one that, that all of you are referring to um, in 2017, which, by the way, I think, if I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that the year that our current, um, the current president of the United States was elected? Yes, because they showed him on the news not wanting to wear glasses. Yeah, right, yes. Yeah. So he... Um, yeah, so he, he, he he, he, was he was elected, elected that, in 2016, yeah. but he, he took office in 2017, the year. Oh, he the took office war. in, yes. yeah, he took office in 2017. Interestingly enough, the next solar eclipse, a full solar eclipse that, that will be, that we can witness here in North America is going to be on April 8th, 2024, which is another four years of presidential office, which I just, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to interpret that information, but I think that it is very significant and interesting information. Now, for that eclipse, I was in Tennessee at a Radical Fairy Sanctuary. I don't know if I have time to unpack what a Radical Fairy Sanctuary is. I mean, the name sort of describes it a little bit, but it's a, it's a, it's a powerful and mystical queer space, queer, absolutely queer, magical, wild, anarchic, pagan, um, infused with all kinds of political energies and we we gathered at um at a sanctuary in tennessee to um experience this all together and we were all sitting on a hill and radical fairies i mean it's beautiful i mean people were in drag people were naked people were like dressed in in costumes people were covered in mud i mean you know it's just beautiful and everyone was sitting together on this hill this was my first experience of a solar eclipse and you know and ever you know and it was it's, it's a very festive environment but but mystical as well i mean there, there's real sorcery that happens up at that up at that sanctuary whose name i may not mention um and when it started to happen Everybody got so, because there's so much magic that happens um, at the sanctuary and, and, and the, the fairy element is very real. The, the air was vibrating. You could feel it in the ground. If you were walking, the shadows changed. The shadows started to do this weird vibrational pattern and, um, and, and the color of the sky, I will never forget the color of the sky. It was and, you know, so you're up in the hills and then there's this like lower sort of like rainforesty kind of area behind you. And as the eclipse became full and there was this beautiful, you know, that beautiful light behind, uh, behind the moon down in the, uh, you know, and, and everybody, I mean, people were possessed. Like the, there was no holding back. There were no children present. I mean, you know, people were like banging on drums and shrieking and screaming and howling and rolling around. And this cloud of bats and insects just rose up out of the forest because they thought it was nighttime. You know, they'd all been activated into this nocturnal state. This huge cloud of bats and insects just like flew up and crossed over the eclipse. And, People started crying and howling. And I won't tell you what I was doing because it was very carnal and very X-rated and potentially ill-advised. But I did 
respond <laughs> ecstatically <laughs> with that moment. <laughs> that moment will live inside of me forever. Uh. Um, and that was a that that I will remember till the day I die. I, it was just spectacular. I was I was sad it didn't last longer, but maybe something like that cannot last longer because maybe it would plunge. Um, the world into chaos. You know, speaking of plunging the world into chaos. <laughs> speaking of other things that they working on. Speaking of plunging the world into chaos, you know, <laughs> lunar, lunar, lunar eclipses are really feared in terms of mystical Christianity. They are really considered to be bad things. They are, they are, they are considered to be a manifestation of the wrath of God. Okay, and they also connect that symbolically with the crucifixion. Now, it's really interesting to note that the, that you know Easter, the day of the crucifixion, you know, uh, is the first Sunday after the first full moon of spring. So that's very interesting because that makes it impossible in the Gregorian calendar for the eclipse to ever fall on an Easter Sunday, because that would usher in Judgment Day. Yes, that would that, usher in Judgment no Day. Idea. Isn't that interesting? You know that, that I, I didn't know. Un- wow. Yeah, and it brings it back to the eating thing. You know, Jesus is like this. Uh, the Jesus figure is a is a god that is eaten. You know, um, so so I find that very interesting. And then in closing, you know, the, um, just uh, I suppose a couple of years ago, I don't remember the exact date. We had a full uh, lunar eclipse here in North America. Yes. Yeah. So actually for that, I went out to San Francisco to go um, spend, to, to perform a ritual with your dear um, coven member, Courtney, uh, Dylan yes. Henley. Yes, the beautiful yes. So, thing, yes. Yeah, so Dylan Henley and uh, his partner and I gathered together on a hill underneath a huge, huge oak tree. No, it was an oak, a massive oak tree. And we petitioned Hecate under that oak tree to bring about the fall of the king. <laughs> so yeah. we're still waiting on that one. <laughs> we're going to revamp that one, right, next month. We're going to, like, do a little, do a little, little recharge, put right? A little, put a little extra in there? Sure. Yes, oh, yes, I, yes. I swear. I swear. I shall. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to sit with that for a second. Wow. Oh, Damon, I'm going to relish these stories. I know everybody else is as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. So while I'm sitting here just trying to come down from being excited by Damon's stories, I'm turning this over to Kanani, who's going to, speaking of eclipses, is doing a review of Disney's The Watcher in the Woods, that nineteen that, that film from 1980. She hasn't written to us cursing me out, so maybe the, the experience maybe wasn't as bad as the bitched at for the next six months for making her watch another film hopefully it was disney so luckily no one was buried or no one was burned alive (laughs) that was nice so i had never seen this movie um and i'd never i don't think i'd ever even heard of it um but it was called the watcher in the woods and it was about a family who's looking for a, a place to move and they move into this big of course beautiful mansion because that's where we all move and it was it shared a space next to a kind of eccentric old woman and in the story you find that 
they she let these people move into the house next door because the teenage daughter of the family resembled her daughter who had disappeared. I think if I remember right, the story was like 30 years prior or something. And essentially the, the premise of the movie is this woman has spent 30 years trying to figure out what happened to her daughter 30 years prior when she disappeared uh, on the night of an eclipse. And so it's kind of funny when you look back because it's rather spooky. Like that's like apparently that's my level of spooky is is eighties Disney. That's that's my <laughs> line because uh, they get away with all kinds of stuff that like never would Disney try and make something that spooky now. Never. It actually right. gets pretty, uh, but in a really good way. Um, and so there, it's just kind of about the girl starts having these. Uh, experiences and uh, events because she's trying to, she's getting essentially messages from the girl that's gone uh, and how to bring her, potentially bring her back. And in the end, you find that it was some sort of, um, it was interesting how they did it. It wasn't even a spiritual thing that happened during a ritual. She actually, it said, went to another quote unquote dimension and uh, they re she was able to recreate the ritual that had happened 30 years previously with the people who had performed it then, and they were able to bring the girl back. Now, I have watched enough Marvel movies to know that when the girl came back, she should have come back as her 17-year-old self and not her 47-year-old self, but that's my own family. <laughs> I was very upset about that, by the way. Um <laughs> But it was a really cute movie. I, I really liked it. It was good. Oh my um, God, you did, and she liked it. I did. She I liked. liked it. I watched it with. I watched it with my son because even though my son's younger, he has. He's he's not. In, he's not scared of anything. My daughter would have Peter Pan's. She would have not been able to handle it. But um, so yeah, no, I watched it with my son. He really liked it. It was it was fun. It was um, like I said, it was a lot more spooky than they would try and do now. Um, but I've also noticed that I had the kids watch. Mighty Ducks, which you guys remember as an old Disney movie. Yes. And the, the kids actually swear in that movie. They would never do that now. The kids actually no. say swear words. So it's just kind of funny when you watch old Disney. It's, 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 it's very different. But no, it was a good movie. I, I, it's been uh, remade. I watched the original. It was remade, I think, in 2007. And it had Angelica Houston in it. But I watched I think, the original. I, I actually think it was 2017. Yeah, it's very recent. Oh, okay. But, you know, the original, but anyway, I can continue. But yeah, so I didn't watch the remake. So the remake um, would probably be uh, fun for kids as well. But I really, the original was cool. Um, And it had Jenny Davis in it playing the greatest creepy old lady in the history of ever. And she has life goals for all of us. Yes. It was was fun. I mean, they did a lot of different... you know, kind of her getting the messages and her trying to piece together, like how she's supposed to bring this girl back. And then, like I said, it was interesting how it was because, and I guess it's because of the whole moon element that it was more of an extraterrestrial uh, event as opposed to any kind of a spiritual, spiritual event that had taken place. But like I said, I got very mad and I yelled at my husband. I'm like, she would not have come back. 30 years older. That's not how this works. That's not how leaving the dimension works. She would have come back as a 17 year old girl. 
And he just looked at me. And there would have been something different about her. She wouldn't have been the 17 year old girl they remember because she'd been trapped in another dimension for 30 years. And so there's something about her, either spirit or her body would not be what it was back then. No, I mean, she looked, when she came back, she was like a 47 year old woman. So she was old, like the people who were doing the, you know, the ceremony. She didn't come back as her teenage self. Um, But, you know, and clearly they only know it must be her because who else are you going to bring back for the ceremony? But yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was kind of a fun eclipse movie and it, I do think it kind of draws on, it, it kind of speaks to that, um, the, the primal fear and power that an eclipse brings about. Like it just, it's, it's universal and it's, it's always been universal. You cannot help but experience something like that and not, see the magnitude and the power. I mean, something so huge and monumentous is happening in the universe and you literally have no control. You have no ability to make it stop, slow down, speed up or happen, not happen. It's you are at the mercy of what is happening in the universe. And I think that that's a very um, universally powerful experience. And so I'm actually surprised that they haven't done more kind of horror movies and, and that kind of stuff around the eclipse. Cause I think that would be a good kind of way to just viscerally grab people and, and just scare the crap out of them. Yeah. And, and as you, yeah. And as I was saying, you know, they, they are linked to political events. Eclipses are understood to be events that overthrow the change, the timeline, essentially, you know, you're you're moving you're moving it from one narrative into a, another narrative, but that narrative is a star, is historical, and I mean witnessing it, I I think that that is true, you know. And that, so that's something else to keep in mind when you're doing eclipse magic, um, especially with the full lunar or solar eclipses, is you do them when you're also ready to. And I don't know that you need to do it for the partial because again, it doesn't quite have the same impact. But definitely, if you're doing full, you know, full eclipse like full moon or full um, excuse me total lunar or total solar eclipse work, work, maybe you're ready to change your own timeline, change the direction of where you want your life to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Damon, where can people find you if they want to stay in touch? People can find me on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, I I do have a website. Um, It is under construction, but the, it's under construction, so it's a little bit bare bones currently because I had to change a few things, um, and it's, a, it's gone a little stagnant because the person who's helping me with that is, um, you know, going through some pandemic-related issues. Um, but it is thehouseofstang.com, thehouseofstang. And on Instagram, you can find me at revert star r-e-v-e-r-t-s-t-a-r as in revert the star revert star um so there uh or friend me on facebook um yeah i'm trying you know i've just moved into private practice very recently and i'm still finding my feet there but um please reach out to me damon thank you so much for coming on today and links to where you can find Damon will be on our website in the show notes page. So um, don't forget everybody to check out our Etsy store. 
Konami's been working on some really fabulous new items, including a banner that says that witch life, which you all really need over your magical space. And she doesn't have many of them and are going to go very fast. So please head to our Etsy store and check them out. Um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite platform. And we have a very big announcement coming up next episode. So make sure that you turn and that you tune in. And in the meantime, um, wash your filthy hands, stay healthy, witches, and enjoy this eclipse season. Bye. Join us on the first and third Mondays of the month for magical tools, tips, and stories about living as a witch in today's world. Find us at that.